0: Hello and welcome to my podcast. I am Lucille and welcome to Lucille's Topics. Yes, thank you so much for joining me this morning. It is currently 1221. I have been working diligently all day to try to pick an interesting topic to share with y'all today and thank you for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. So yes, so this is my first podcast and is I decided to name it Lucille's Topics because it's going to be various topics that I will be discuss discussing, excuse me, and also um other folks will be joining in along, you know, with my different topics. So yeah, this is going to be so cool, informative, interesting, probably some drama. <laughs> But yeah, so for my first topic, I wanted to discuss Harlem. So I'm from Harlem, I'm from the uptown area, and a lot of people don't know that it's a lot of history uptown where I'm from. So, you know, I just wanted to briefly discuss pretty much the history or landmarks, I should say, of Harlem. So I won't be naming all the landmarks, but the more predominant ones, yes. So, yes, let's get started. You can find me on Instagram, LaSalle underscore Keats. You can find me on Facebook, LaSalle Keats. And, yes, let's get started. So, New York City, of course, has slaves. And they was the slaves of the earliest European settlement in 1626. It was the Dutch West India company first brought the slaves over here so um i say that to say black folks used to live downtown um like where the courthouses are so they weren't always in harlem they was placed down there and um they were slaves until they became you know freed to a certain extent so I say that to say because they were also working but they were like slaves and free to a certain extent so I have a lot of information in front of me and I didn't want to go verbatim over everything so I'm just gonna explain it in my own way but yes yeah, so black folks were, were Africans black folks were downtown where the courthouses are Um so Which will lead into my next topic, the African Burial Ground, the Commons Historic District in Manhattan, um, which was found in 1993. So as they were doing construction over there, they discovered bones and come to find out they were actually disturbing the African American, you could say, burial ground. So um, in 2006, it was proclaimed a national mo- monument. And it opened up in 2007 to so visitors. And it was, um, you know, the remains, the final resting place forum. And yeah, so it's a small section, but quite frankly, it's bigger. But that section that was found with the bones and stuff. That's what they built the museum there on. So, yeah. So, now we're going to move up further to the Harlem Renaissance, which ushered in African-American community in New York City across the United States. Harlem um, became the most known primary black Mecca in the United States. So, Harlem is popping, all right? In other words, we're popping, and we will continue to be popping. So, yes. So we now we're in the Harlem Renaissance, where pretty much the bougie black folks lived. So you know, in this area of Harlem, it was pretty much a. Tr- they were trying to attract the wealthy black people. Um, this was in the 1930s so it was just like rich black people living here doctors lawyers stuff like that um artists and stuff like that people like that um so yeah they called them middle class and hold on let me scroll down oh yeah so it was pretty much hard for them to get housing and because of the laws and this, the segregation laws and just different laws. The government didn't want black folks to own nothing. So it was hard for them to like receive housing and stuff like that. So despite these challenges, the Harlem Renaissance celebration of black culture was for the African-Americans of the er- the era, a manifestation of the promise of the Great Migration. So the movement gave the world not only literary grants like Alan Locke, W.E.B. Du Bois, Langston Hughes, and Nella Larson, but also drove countless unnamed New Yorkers from across the city to attend neighborhood institutions such as libraries ymca's churches and it became the focal point of the african-american and civil rights activism over the next decades so um yes that's some brief history on that also i wanted to state The public housing in New York City in the 1930s was racially segregated under policies determined by the PWA, which is the Public Works Administration, a key agency of the New Deal. Federal policy stated that projects should reflect the prior racial composition of their neighborhoods. So. The neighborhoods that only, like, served white people. Uh, look. Okay. okay. So, the the neighborhoods... All right. I'm trying to break it down for y'all. So, the neighborhoods that only served white people, they also had to serve black people as well. So, in the, in... Particularly in this neighborhood, it was, like, serving African Americans. So, um... So they wanted to concentrate on new public housing for African-Americans in the lower income neighborhoods, including areas that have been racially, racially integrated. So, yeah. So it's the PWA. Administration, you can research that. But, yeah, it's a lot of information on that. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, I didn't even know Harlem was like that with the the laws and legislation legislation and stuff. So yeah, I'm stuttering, I'm nervous, but it's all right. I'll make it through it. So, yes, so the first landmark I want to talk about is the Schaumburg Museum. It's on 135th Street. It's also a library. Um It was designed in 1904. It's a landmark. And pretty much, to cut to the chase, (laughs) people like W.E.B. Du Bois, Carl Carl Van Doren, um, Franz Boyas are notable figures that hosted weekly social and political discussions. So I didn't know that so I, as I was researching and reading this by the way I got this from nyc.gov and I got the other information from um it's a website called black black something like that um no I didn't type it down but yeah <laughs> I didn't know that until I read this so that that library on 135th and the that museum part of it is is very very historic. Um, so yeah, they held their lectures there. So the new the new building, the new Schaumburg Center, was created next door in 1980, and that's on one o three West One Thirty Fifth Street. So that whole that whole area is just a landmark. So that was interesting. Um, the armory the 369th regiment armory this one I found so so interesting I did not know this armory has so much history in it in World War One, African-American soldiers served in segregated regiments and were not eligible for aid from the army nurse corps or American Red Cross the regiment fought for 191 consecutive days, longer than any other American unit in in World War I. Uh, for their bravery, 171 of its members received individual medals, including the Congressional Medal of Honor, the Distinguished Service Cross, and Legion of Honor Awards. The regiment was also recommended for a Collective Crocs de Guerra, By, I don't know how to pronounce it, by Generals Le Bonk, Gimard, and Pershing. In February 1919, 1,300 black soldiers of the 369th Regiment were welcomed home to New York City as heroes with a parade on 5th Avenue towards Harlem. How dope is that? So, um... The armory was built in 1921 through 1924, and the administration building was built in 1930 through 1933. The armory was home to the 369th Infantry Regiment, and they were dubbed the Harlem Hellfighters. So that is the home of the Harlem Hellfighters, and they fought in World War I. Yep. That is dope. I thought that was so interesting. The next one is Mother African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. So this church is the sixth home of New York's, New York City's oldest black congressional and founding church of AME Zion Conference of Churches. Um Established in seventeen ninety six Mother Zion has long and il- has a long and illustrious history of religious and social activism um It was known as the Freedom Church because of its important role in the abolishment movement. Many conference churches, including Mother Zion, served as stations on the underground railroad, and I thought that was interesting too i thought that was very interesting because who would have thought that there was an underground railroad in harlem so yeah i thought that was dope um so it actually began in lower manhattan and now it's located in harlem so like i said black folks used to live downtown so that church well, this church was downtown and it moved to harlem so it moved where they moved but where we moved um during the Harlem Renaissance many came to hear Reverend Dr. Benjamin C. Robeson brother of Paul Robeson sermons on civil rights notable members of the Harlem community who worshiped at Mother Zion included W.E.B. Du Bois Langston Hughes Roland Hayes and Madam C.J. Walker so yes that's who used to worship in that church and it's just the honor to be in a place where they were, you know. So that was dope. Um I don't know I keep saying um oh, I'm sorry I'm browsing through this. But Saint Nicholas Historic District. This one was interesting. Now West 138th and 139th Streets between Frederick Douglass and Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard, Manhattan. I know that area. In fact, my dentist is over there. But I did not know it was called the St. Nicholas Historic District. Because I am familiar with it being called um, Strivers Row. So... It's called St. Nicholas Historic District, Strivers Row. Now, in this district that has four row houses built by Dr. H. King Jr. and designed by architectural firms of McKim, Mead and White, James Brown Lord and Bruce Price, and Clarence S. Luce in 1891. Wow. Wow. It was originally called King Model Houses, and it was a neighborhood within a neighborhood that was the, the plan to it. And it's very historic, row houses. If y'all know that area, y'all, you know, you know, if you've been over there, if you live around there. It's the, among the most prestigious in Harlem in the 20th century, Um, although pi- pioneering black real Oh, although pioneering black real estate brokers such as Philip A. Payton Jr., John M. Royale, John E. Nail, and Henry Parker were increasingly opening Harlem up to African-American families by 1902, black residents continued to be excluded from large sections of the neighborhood by white po- property owners who refused to sell or rent. To African Americans and imposed restrictive racial convenience during the 1910s. So, yeah, the African Americans were barred from the St. Nicholas Historic District until 1919, but by the 1930s, it had attracted so many prosperous black residents that it became widely known like I said Strivers Row so yes so people who resided there was Congressman Reverend Adam Clayton Powell Jr. and w a c p officer William Perk Pickens sorry Pickens um architect Ventineer, Tandy and entertainers Fletcher Henderson W.C. Handy um, U.B. Blake, I don't know how to pronounce the first name, Flannery Miller, and Noble Cisali, Cisali. um, so yeah, African American doctors, Dr. Lewis T. Wright, and a surgical doctor of Harlem Hospital, and an important civil rights advocate in the medical field, so yes, that's the bougie part of Harlem too. But it's very nice over here. All jokes aside, it's very nice over here. Now, let's get to Dumball Apartments. So the Dumball Apartments are a landmark. Um, so I'm just going to read this because I need to read this verbatim so the people of my neighborhood know this. So they need to know this information. Harlem's Dunbar Apartments were specifically built As the first cooperative buildings complex marketed to blacks. Named after poet Paul Lawrence Dunbar. The apartments were home to notable figures like W.E.B. Du Bois. I hope y'all heard that. (laughs) A. Philip Randolph. Explorer Matthew Henderson. Yes, they had a picture of him up there. Writer County Cullum. And entertainer Bill Bojangle. Robinson, among others, which his pitches on one fiftieth in the Bojangles park um, John D. Rockefeller Jr built the Dunbar between nineteen twenty six and nineteen twenty eight as part of growing response to housing reform. The buildings house working middle class families and feature perks from mothers and families on its grounds. Yes, they used to have a daycare center and laundry room is is just just is nice it's, is nice as an as an inexpensive alternative to raising rents and mortgages in sprawling city the Dunbar apartments thrived so unfortunately a year after the apartments went up the Great Depression rocked the nation the event forced tenants and the Cooperative Association to bend rules so that rent could be paid. Despite this, tenants could not keep up in. um, Where I left off at? Despite this, tenants could not keep up in the depressed economy. And Rockefeller defaulted on the property in 1936. In 1970, the apartments were named a New York City landmark. And nine years after that, it was placed in a National Register of historic places so yes Dunbar is historic yes also this bit of information I thought was just so interesting I did not notice it was really mind-blowing like I had to read every word of this information so the next landmark this is an actual landmark The next landmark is Harlem River Housing. Now, I always thought and knew like Harlem River Housing was the project. And it is, but it's a landmark. So let me read on. So Harlem River Houses, West 151st Street to 153rd Street, McCoon's Place to Harlem River Drive, Manhattan. That's where it's located. The Harlem River Houses was the first federally funded built and owned housing project in New York City. Its construction between 1936 and 1937 marked an early collaboration between the city's housing authority and the federal government and and was one of the first efforts undertaken by the Roosevelt administration that Recognized the government's responsibility to provide low-income housing. In the 1930s, the post-war, sorry, the post-World War One shortage of affordable urban housing was was intensified by the Great Depression. Additionally, racist housing practices meant that Black New Yorkers were only able to rent in limited areas such as Harlem, which had the city's highest population density density per acre. Riots in 1935 focused attention on Harlem's urgent housing needs. A group of prominent Harlem citizens was appointed to provide input during the planning process, resulting in amenities specifically designed, to meet the needs of its residents, such as nursery, school, health clinic, social rooms, communal laundries, and commercial space. So, yes, the Harlem River houses, which is crazy because when you go into those apartments, to me, they don't look like regular project apartments. They're not even, the building's not even built like, regular projects, those are actually walk-up steps. And the other projects I've been to, like, let's let's say Polo Grounds, you know, you have to take the elevators, like, 30 floors, but that's only, like, six, five or six floors in Harlem River. And it's so interesting, because now I understand, you know, it, it's a landmark. So, you know, it's it's a bougie project, that's how I would like to say it. But, yeah, that's so cool. So, Harlem River Housing, whoever's listening, and whoever live over there, history. So in closing, the Harlem Renaissance was a turning point to black culture history. It helped African-American writers and artists gain more control over the representation of Harlem, I mean representation of black culture and experience And it provided them a place in Western high culture. And it did. And, you know, the Harlem I grew up in, where you see the dilapidated buildings and the dogs in the street and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people view Harlem, especially during that era and now, as that being Harlem. You know, as Harlem being a bad place. And it's definitely not. And I honestly feel my safest in Harlem. Harlem is rich in history, rich in culture, predominantly black culture, and you know, I just wanted to put that out there. These landmarks that I read are a few, but there are many more out there um including some of the plantation houses that they have, you know where slaves was was on. I didn't go into that one though because. You know, when you talk a lot, the people get bored, so I didn't want to go on. But yes, Harlem is rich in history, even the part where I'm located and, you know, yeah, that's some information that everybody, you know, could learn and and see Harlem in a different way, especially ones that's not from Harlem. You see Harlem in a different way. So, yes. Yes. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. And I'll be having another podcast sometime, hopefully next week. I have to get my people together. Hopefully we could do this next week. Let me know how you like it. Um, This app, I'm not familiar with it. But, you know, if you could comment or, you know, whatever have you, do so, please. And... Yeah, I'm going to play with this app some more to see how how it works. But thank y'all and have a great weekend. Peace.